before we get our service started this afternoon, uh, just two quick announcements. If you could turn your cell phones off or silence them <clears throat> so they don't bother us during the service. And then uh, if you have kids that at some point in the service need a little extra parental attention, we've got uh, training chapels out the doors and to the right and left for you to use. Uh, we'll get our service started in just a minute. Well, friends and family, we are here today to remember Dolores D. Dorian Eastie. We'll explain that shortly. We're here to reflect on God's grace and the goodness of Jesus in her life. But we're also here today because life is a vapor. And we all need to take that to heart. So let's hear the word of God this afternoon. There is an appointed time for everything. And there's a time for every event under heaven. A time to be born and a time to die. It's better to go to a house of mourning than to go to a house of feasting. For death is the destiny of every man and the living should take this to heart. Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked I shall return there. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. He will swallow up death for all time, and the Lord God will wipe tears away from all faces, and he'll remove the reproach of his people from all the earth. 
For the Lord has spoken, and it will be said in that day, Behold, this is our God for whom we have waited that he might save us. This is the Lord for whom we have waited. Let us rejoice and be glad in his salvation. Martha then said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Even now I know that whatever you ask of God, God will give you. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will arise again in the resurrection on the last day. And Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even if he dies. And everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, yes, Lord, I have believed that you are the Christ, the Son of God, even he who has come into the world. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth passed away, and there's no longer any sea. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, made ready as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is among men, and he will dwell among them, and they shall be his people, and God himself shall be among them, and he will wipe away every tear from their eyes. And there will no longer be any death. There will no longer be any mourning or crying or pain. The first things have passed away. What is your only comfort in life and in death? That I am not my own, but belong body and soul in life and in death to my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. He has fully paid for all my sins with his precious blood and to set me free from the tyranny of the devil. Our Father and our God, we come to you on this day. And Father, for many, uh, we grieve. We grieve loss of Dolores. But we give thanks and praise because your son has conquered death and he lives. And because of that, we do not grieve as those who have no hope. And so, Father, we pray that you would draw near to us even now. And Lord, we ask, we ask for special comfort and grace for Ariel and for all whose hearts are breaking. Draw near to us. Your word promises that you are near the brokenhearted. Be near to us now and exalt your blessed son, Christ Jesus. Amen. Begin by singing, The Lord is my salvation.
I get to do Dolores' biography. I pretty much wrote it myself. <laughs> Dolores was born on October 16th, 1938, in Santa Domingo, República Dominicana. She moved with her family to the Estados Unidos in 1947. And they lived in New York City with all the other Dominicans from all over the planet. (laughs) She graduated from the High School of Music and Art in New York City in 1957. She was exceptionally bright and hardworking. She went to Princeton and then went to the Westminster Choir College where she graduated with a master's in sacred music. She loved acting. And she met another aspiring actor, Edward Dwight Eastie. He had studied at the actor's studio under Lee Strasberg. And they married early in 1964 and had their first and only child, Ariel Joaquina Eastie, on October 19, 1964. Ed and Dolores packed up their things including Ariel, and moved to the little island of San Andres in the Caribbean in 1968. It was an idyllic island life. Dolores homeschooled Ariel in a hut, kind of. I mean, kind of homeschooled her. Dolores sang at church and then also on the island's hotel lounge. After Ed was tragically murdered in 1975, Dolores and Ariel moved to Albuquerque and lived with Dolores' parents, Gustavo and Ophelia. Dolores never remarried and she pursued many different and sundry and interesting lines of work and also furthered her education. She lived in Tucson, San Francisco, and Palm Springs. In 2013, Ariel prevailed and Dolores moved to Carson City where she lived the last 10 years of her life. She was able to enjoy Ariel, her grandkids, her great-grandkids, And, of course, her favorite (laughs) son-in-law. Dolores loved church. She enjoyed her church friends immensely, young and old. She loved chocolate and more chocolate and criminal minds. And did I mention Ariel? Ariel really was her world. In 2018, she suffered two strokes. And in 2020, Ariel moved mountains 
to get Dolores three doors down from us so that she could tend to her, her mom regularly. Dolores went home to be with the Lord on her 85th birthday, October 16, 2023. She's preceded in death by her husband, Edward Dwight Eastie, her father, Gustavo Hernandez, and her mother, Ophelia Hernandez. She's survived by her younger brothers, Gus and Willie, and of course, her daughter, Ariel. And her remains will be laid to rest next to her parents at the Palm Springs Cemetery on November 11th. Sarah 
see trees of green Red roses too I see them blue For me and you And I think to myself What a wonderful world I see skies of blue And clouds of white The bright blessed day The dark sacred night And I think to myself What a wonderful world The colors of the rainbow So pretty in the sky Are also on the faces Of people going by I see friends shaking hands Saying how do you do They're really saying I love you I hear babies cry much more than I ever knew, and I think to myself, what a wonderful world, yes, I think to myself, what a wonderful Yeah. 
to read the 23rd Psalm. Psalm 23 says, a Psalm of David or of the beloved. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Rough and steep, but golden feet. 
would please stand and we'll sing together, He Knows My Name. Thank you all for coming today. Uh, it's nice to see a full house. Although it feels weird standing behind the pulpit because women don't stand here. Um, I wanted to uh, read my uh, family remembrance that I have. So I wanted to share a few words regarding Grandma D. My grandma and I did not have the closest relationship, but that doesn't mean that I don't have a lot of memories of her. It's quite the opposite. She filled our life with memories. When we were little, my mom made sure that we saw her and that she knew her grandchildren. We took many trips to Palm Springs and visited her in her tiny, tiny apartments. Um, eventually, she was able to move up here per my mom's demands. I mean, pers <laughs> persistent requests. 
she was always present at celebration dinners, birthday parties, and even went on vacation with us many times. There was uh, this one time, my mom wanted to go to Mexico for Christmas, and my brothers and I protested. But of course, we didn't win that argument. So we were on our way to Mexico in this 15-passenger van, and my grandma had a tendency to always sleep or take a nap whenever and wherever possible. Well, my brothers <laughs> decided to take a pose when she was sleeping, and I'm assuming that I'm the one that took the picture because obviously mom and dad would not take this picture. Um, Nathan has it for us on the screen, I think. So. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> it's obviously not our proudest moment, um, and there's obviously better pictures than that one, but that was uh, one that lived strong in my mind. Um, okay, you can take that down now. <laughs> okay. um, when Seth and I had kids, we saw Grandma D even more. It was a blessing to see her love on my boys as much as she did, and also to see how much my boys loved her. They always gave Grandma D a hug. They were always willing to help her with whatever she needed, and towards the end always asked to go over and see her. As I close, I wanted to also mention my mom. I was able to see firsthand what true servanthood is like because I got to see her serve selflessly. She served my grandma until the very end and went above and beyond. She loved my grandma so much, and that love grew exponentially in my grandma's last days. It takes a lot out of you mentally and physically to be a full-time caretaker, and my mom did it well. My mom is a blessing, and I'm so grateful that she is my mom. Um, I know that she misses Grandma D more than words can describe, but... We all grieve with hope, knowing that we will one day see her again. And may Christ be praised, knowing that we have eternal life with him. Hi, my name is Zach Borgman, and I'm reading my family remembrance. <laughs> have a good sister, by the way. <laughs> My grandma Dee was one of the sweetest people I had ever known. She loved her daughter so much, and she loved her grandkids and her great-grandchildren more than words can express, and even her son-in-law. <laughs> Zach wrote this. I did not write this. <laughs> there was never a shortage of wild stories from her. If there was a book of everything that she had done in her life, most of you would think it was fiction. That's true. She was the funniest old lady around and loved to sing and dance. She tried over and over to convince me, John, and Alex to take her to the club so she could go dancing. It never did happen. <laughs> I'm going to miss her smiling face when I would come home for a visit. She'd be sitting there in her living room chair watching some crime show on the world's smallest TV. And 
As soon as you would go in the front door, she was there to give you one of the biggest hugs. She loved having visitors, and she loved all of her friends very dearly, and I know that all of them loved her too. I love you, Grandma D, and I will miss you. I want to thank everyone for being here today to remember my mom, D, or Dolores Hernandez at birth, then Dorian, because she legally changed her name in 1988, if you didn't see that in the slideshow. <clears throat> and then she continued to hold the honored name of Eastie, my dad. Now you know why we just called her D. <laughs> she loved my dad with an undying love, and my parents absolutely, absolutely adored each other. And I was her girl and her world. After my dad died when I was 10, it was just her and me for years. Uh, we were a team for a long time, and in the last years, in her last years, we were that same inseparable team again until the moment she died. I made her a promise that I wouldn't leave her or leave her side, and I kept my promise. She loved Brian, all her grandkids, and her six great-grandchildren. My mom was a hoot for sure. <clears throat> she loved color. And thank you all for wearing such beautiful colors today. And um, thank you, those especially that are wearing some of her most beautiful clothing. <clears throat> um, her favorite color was blue. She loved to shop. Uh, she loved clothes, boots, shoes, and all her thrift stores. Uh, she loved her sweets and especially chocolate. And she loved life. She lived her life to the fullest, wanting to get all out of it that she could. My mom loved so many of you. She loved being here. Uh, when, she could, when she could still drive, she'd be here every Wednesday night and Sunday morning, and then every Sunday with me after she had her first two strokes in 2018. She loved our church, and she loved our pastors, and she loved all of you so much because you all loved her so well. She had many dear friends, Michelle, Charlie, Caitlin, Elva, Jenny O'Connor, Julie McKean, Desiree, Jean Thompson, Jean Strachan, Cindy, Judy, Vic and Bertie, Victoria, Diane, Carolyn, Brianna, Brittany, Martin and Cheryl, Natasha and Mel, and many more of you. You all made such a huge impact in her life by simply loving her unconditionally and just enjoying her. Now for some special thank yous. Thank you to all of our Bunko gals that are here and those that are watching a lot from live stream from afar. We had so many fun times together every month and oh how my mom loved her Bunko nights. Thank you to my Jack's Valley family for all your cards, texts, visits, hugs, soup, and just caring for me. And a special thank you to Jennifer and Christy. Thank you to my three subs, Sue, Carol, and Angie, for being there for me and for my students. I didn't have to worry a bit for five weeks. Thank you, Jean, for being such a great roommate and friend for my mom. Just knowing you were there was such a comfort to me as I had to be gone during the days at work. And I knew that you would call if I was needed, and you did. 
Um, we remember the 1 a.m. bloody nose. <laughs> Your kindness and gentleness towards her, even and especially after she began to decline, was precious to me and to her, I know, and I love you. I also want to express a profound thank you to Scott and Gail Larson for their help in making it possible for my mom to live and remain at home. Thank you to my kids. Thank you, Alex, for spending Sunday evening, September 24th, with your grandma. She loved having you at the house. Thank you, Zach, for helping me to take your grandma on her last vacation trip to Palm Springs from November 15th through November 16th. to see her two brothers. <clears throat> Our time was cut short due to Grandma Dee's latest stroke, but it was sweet and a very special time for all of us. And you were a lifesaver, and it was an adventure for sure. Thank you, Ashley, for always bringing us homemade bread, yummy food, and thank you to you and Seth for bringing Calvin and Elliot and Sean over for so many visits. And thank you, Calvin, Elliot, and Sean for helping us with pulling weeds and for loving your Grandma Dee and for coming to say goodbye to her on October 13th. She loved all of you so much. And thank you, Ash, and my boys again for all the help these past few weeks with things at her house. <clears throat> thank you, Michaela, for coming to see Grandma Dee both times and for Cam and for Maeve, her two newest great-grandbabies. Thank you, Brian, for being patient with my mom in the early years when she was rather difficult to deal with. He was. He was. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for ultimately loving your mother-in-law and for pointing her to Christ. And she really loved you, and I know you loved her. I'm glad that the two of you had a precious uh, and special time together on her last Thursday night with us as you talked and she laughed. And thank you to all the saints in our church who are tremendous servants. These amazing men and women served us after my mom's latest and third major stroke from September 16th on in the following ways. Thank you, Peter, for buying and assembling a wheelchair and having it ready when Zach and my mom and I returned from our Palm Springs trip at almost 11 o'clock at night. <clears throat> thank you to all of you who brought meals and water and wine and plenty of goodies for us to enjoy. Tamara and Avery, you are both so precious to me, and thank you for blessing us so many times. I have a new love for Chipotle. <laughs> thank you, Lily and Judy, for the bed rails to keep her in bed safely. Thank you, Jim Nicola, for the sweet cat. My mom loved her so much, and she's still purring, Saint Cat? Saint Cat. No, no, sweet cat. Sweet okay. cat. You can ask me about the cat later. <laughs> Thank you, Jim and Ray, for securing my pergola while Brian was still in Zambia. And thank you, Charlie, for the four new toilets that you put in both houses. <laughs> thank you, Alyssa Andrews, for that special food basket on. October 15th, and the soup and bread were delicious. Thank you, Cindy, my longtime neighbor and friend, for understanding what I was going through and just for being there for me 
and encouraging me each and every day. Thank you, Daniel and Lacey, for being on call for lift assists <laughs> and for helping <clears throat> with many of those during the day. And thank you to, both, to you both and your precious girls for visiting Grandma Dee many times and for just simply loving her. Oh, how her face lit up every time you sweet girls came for a visit. Jessie Dickinson, what a slideshow. Thank you. You've done a phenomenal job. Thank you, Elva, Barbara, Liz, Molly, Julie Myers, Cindy, Deborah, Suzanne, Julie, and Bertie for sitting with my mom for the day shift so I could go home to get a shower or go do an errand or simply come to church. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Julie, Lori, Deborah, Michaela, for spending the night at the foot of my mom's bed and getting absolutely no sleep <clears throat> so that I could sleep in my bed at home a few nights. Thank you, Natasha, for being the best CNA in the universe. You are truly my right-hand man. You have a, a heart of gold, and you're definitely called to do this, and you do it well. And Natasha, I love you dearly. I could keep going. Thank you, Melanie, for being the best hospice nurse in the world. God has given you your calling, and you've been such a huge blessing to us. You understood our trial firsthand, and God bless you, and I love you so much. And we couldn't have gotten through this last month without both of you and all the rest of you. Thank you so much. Brianna and Brittany, thank you for adopting my mom as your grandma. She loved you girls so much, and you loved and served her so well. And thank you to the countless ones of you who have prayed for us, sent us cards and beautiful flowers, and just been ready to help us in a pinch. September 15th through October 16th has been definitely one of the longest and hardest months of my life. But I'm so thankful uh, for the blessings of our family and my church family and my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who has brought my mom to himself. I was unsure of my mom's salvation for such a long time, and I kept asking the Lord to save her before she died. He used these last 10 years that my mom lived here to mold her, to soften her, to change her heart to a heart that truly loves him and depends on him for everything. In her last days, my mom expressed her trust in the Lord for her salvation and many of you shared Christ with her, and God was so kind to me to give me this token of his grace. On Thursday night, October 12th, my mom and I were alone in her room. She was barely able to talk because she was so exhausted, and we had just started to give her some medicine to calm her down and get her comfortable. As I was talking with her, trying to comfort her, she put her hands together as if to pray. She nudged me to look at her hands and asked, and I asked her if she wanted me to pray for her. And she nodded and she smiled. I did what she asked. I prayed for her salvation once again, as I had prayed hundreds of times before. And when I finished, she looked up at me, 
She smoothed my hair with her hand. And we just looked at each other and we both smiled. And then she clutched her cross necklace in her hand and she closed her eyes and she went to sleep. I sat there and I cried tears of joy because I now knew, thank you, Lord. It was an honor to care for my mom. It wasn't always easy, especially when I was walking up the cul-de-sac at two or three in the morning in the dead of winter. <laughs> but I was determined to do it and I'll never regret the time that I had with her. She was a good mom to me. She read to me every night of my childhood. She tucked me in each night after reading to me. My favorites were The Secret Garden, which she read to me more than once, and the whole Laura Ingalls Wilder series. <clears throat> These last few years, I was able to tuck her into bed every night. It's funny how life is, <laughs> but God is faithful. Lamentations 3, 22 to 23 reads, The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning, and great is his faithfulness. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. If you would please stand. <clears throat> we'll sing together, You Are My All in All. And I don't want you to be surprised that at a certain part in the song, the guys will sing one thing, the ladies will sing another thing. It's all right. We'll get through it together. If your guys sing that part, if your ladies sing the other one.
Well, at this uh, point in the service, we're going to have uh, an open mic, and so with just a few, um, just a few ground rules. One, if you plan on saying something, if you could actually make line up over to my right, and so that we can kind of get a feel for how many people want to say something. And um, second is make sure that you speak right into the microphone, all right? I promise it won't, it won't bite your face, all right? Um, but it, it's better than Nathan trying to compensate for you staring at the floor and mumbling, all right? And then third, um, I, knowing Dolores, there may be quite a few people that want to say a word or two. And so we're going to sort of limit comments to about three minutes, all right? And um, in order to enforce that, um, I, um, I actually recruited a Viking. And um, he will be standing over to the right. He's the menacing one with the beard of a 16-year-old. So... Just give, just give them a couple of weeks, and it'll be, it'll be on its way. All right. So, anybody want to go ahead and start? It's always Jenny O'Connor and Rob. If you can help her with the mic, that'd be great. He was really special to us. When she was D, before her strokes, when she could talk and communicate better, she was a lot of fun. She loved life. She loved her family and friends. But most of all, she loved Jesus. She called us her babies. I am two years younger than her. <laughs> we did a lot together. Um, we went to the movies, yeah, and to Virginia City. Often, once when Jean was alive, the four of us took the train from Carson City to Virginia City, and then another time, you guys went to dinner, and she taught you guys how to gamble. <laughs> she was ishing out all these pennies and teaching her how to gamble. At dinner, how she loved her beer. We, we all went out to dinner, and she had to have her beer. I didn't realize about the theater. Did you, you realized about it, didn't you? Yes. Tell us about it. Hold on. Well, she was in Hello, Dolly. Yes. So uh, awesome. she was telling me the stories about New York, and uh, one year I wanted to go back to New York uh, on a trip, so I went to her uh, old apartment, found that, and took a picture so I could bring it back to her. And uh, yeah. went to a theater, went to a play, to a place that she had been. 
she couldn't travel at the time, so I thought your picture is right. great. So. Hi. That was awesome. Okay. One Christmas. I guess you guys realize how much she loved chocolate. One Christmas, she got this huge bar of chocolate. And this is when she lived in her apartment in um, Carson City. And I went to visit her. We had cups of tea. And she brings out this huge bar. And we were just nibbling. We were just nibbling on this coffee, on this uh, chocolate and tea. I lost my praise. <laughs> okay. <laughs> we, yeah. <coughs> uh, we spent, oh, we spent a wonderful time visiting, breaking off pieces of chocolate and sipping our tea. She will be so missed. It won't be the same sitting behind her in church and no tea in front of me. We know she is with Jesus now. Thank you. And we love that. And I know I will see her again. I don't know why I put soon, but I did. <laughs> Jean. Jean. Jean, D, and I will be together up there again in God's timing. Thank you. And I wanted to say that um, Charlie and I have been here 10 years, and Caitlin, and um, D and I hit it off. I came probably a month after she came here, and uh, I heard the word Tucson, and that just clicked because I graduated in high school. Uh, in Tucson, and so we just had so much in common there, the big saguaro cactuses, and, and so it just went on from there. We called each other rebels for some reason, and um, uh, oftentimes I would show her pictures over the years that I took of her and, and the grandkids and, and uh, Ariel, and uh, you know, she couldn't remember a lot of things, so the pictures really helped identify everything, and she had an adventure all over again, so um, she... Uh, she will be missed. Peace in my heart is gone, and I love her very much. I know. So. I know. We will. We will really miss her. Thank you. I'll just do this rather than have to. Hi, everybody. Um, for those of you who don't know, my name is Desiree. Um, my family still goes here, but I now live in Sparks and go to a different church. But um, I sat right in front of Grandma D for years, and I'm going to try to do this without crying. So here we go. Um, so um, she will always be in my mind as a pure white hair, bright red lipstick, and the funniest hat you've ever seen. Um, Thank you. Thank you. So um, I am an artist, and I write music. And I'm not going to try to sing it, so you can, don't have to hold your breath. Um, but I, when um, one of my other dear friends died a few years ago, I thought about it, and I was like, it's going to really hit hard when Grandma D goes, and I want to write a song for her. And I got to sing this, albeit poorly, at her bedside. And um, I just wanted to share it with you guys. It's called Lay Your Armor Down. Lay your armor down, put your sword aside. This war has been won for you. There's no more need to fight. 
standing at the gates, clothed in robes of white, heaven's peace awaits, land of God's delight. Well done, faithful child. Well run the finished race, not by your will or power, but carried by God's grace. Rest your weary heart, held in sovereign hands. Fleeting breath will fade, his promises still stand. Waiting waters deep, you are not alone. Wake no more to sleep, you are almost home. Grieve not those behind, let go of words unsaid. Eternity awaits, and we will meet again. Well done, faithful child, well done, the finished race. Not by your will or power, but carried by God's grace. You've been carried by God's grace. Thanks. Okay, let's see if I could get myself together. Um, I am Brianna. Um, I'm one of the two that adopted Grandma D as my grandma. Our relationship started in 2018 when she had her two strokes and she was in the rehabilitation center in Reno. Uh, Pastor B and Miss Ariel asked if, um, since we lived in Reno, we could go and hang out with her every day and so she doesn't feel alone, that she knows that she's loved. So that's what we did. Every day we went over, we hang out, um, we'd watch TV, we'd eat dinner. Um, there was a time that we were in her room, I wanted to take a selfie with her to remember our, um, our moment together. And I have two, one where she's looking very angry at me because she's like, what are you doing? Why are you taking a picture of me? And then one where she has a smile on her face. Um, there's this running joke with Pastor B, B of whenever Grandma D was naughty to take her to the bus stop. <laughs> it's been tempting at times, especially when I would um, come and help take care of Grandma D's night shift when Miss Ariel was able to go on vacation and live some life outside of Reno. And um, I walk in, well, no, I leave. I tell Grandma before I left, I'm going to get us dinner. We're going to have some Olive Garden and have some pasta, so don't eat anything. I come back, and she has a pint of ice cream in her hand. And I'm like, Grandma, what are you doing? She's like, I got hungry. I wanted ice cream. I was like, I told you I was getting dinner, Grandma. And so I go into the kitchen so I could set our food down, and there's three more pints of ice cream open. <laughs> And she's tasted them all. And I was like, you are truly naughty. Pastor B would say to go take you to the bus stop. <laughs> but, you know, now that she's gone, Pastor B, I think it's your turn to go to the bus stop. <laughs> um, I have one more memory. Um, I have my favorite spot whenever I was taking care of her. She would sit in her chair and I would take the lounge chair next to her, and there was a table in between, and that was my spot when we would watch the crime shows, and she'd giggle, and I'm like, why are you laughing? They're murdering people. <laughs> okay, I love you, Grandma, but your mind? I don't know. Um, so I'm just looking at her, just admiring her silhouette. She looks at me, and she's looking into my eyes, and she's like, Brianna, your eyes are so beautiful. Why aren't you married yet? <laughs> 
I'm like, Grandma, that's a good question. She's like, there's no good guys at our church. So I guess we have to leave it up to God now. So that's what I've been doing. I've been leaving it up to God. But um, I love her, and I miss her so, so much. And I love you, Miss Ariel. Um, along with a number of us here, I had the joy of playing bunko for several years with Dee uh, once a month. And I always look forward to seeing what um, ensemble Dee would wear. Um, and it truly was an ensemble with her colorful jewel tones and fashionable hair accessories and colorful scarves. Um, I also enjoyed going to her home because to me it really depicted the interesting life that um, Lee, did, um, Lee led and uh, the interesting places she lived. Um, an example is something that happened a year ago. I was um, just finished preparing dinner, waiting for my husband Brian to get home. And I decided, I love to watch old classic movies. So I went on YouTube and decided I was going to find an old classic movie. And as I'm searching, I find a video of a um, memorial service for an actress, an old actress named Betty Hutton. Well, one of my favorite movies is The Greatest Show on Earth um, with Charlton Heston, um, Jimmy Stewart, and Betty Hutton. And so I thought, oh, out of curiosity, I'll watch it for a couple minutes. So I start playing it. And about two minutes and 33 seconds, what do I see? But in the front row, in a place of honor, is D. I'm going, wait a second. So I rewind it, play it again. Sure enough, it's D with her beautiful white hair, the headband she always wore when she first started coming here. And... I'm like, oh, wow, i got to forward this to Ariel. And we later found out that Dee had worked for Betty Hutton for several years. Um, and I can understand the appeal that Betty Hutton had for Dee because um, Betty Hutton was known to have an indomitable spirit. And even after um, Dee's first strokes, she didn't hide away. She still came every month and joyfully played bunko with us, always greeted us with her thousand-watt smile and a kiss. And um, we just had so much fun playing with her. She was so full of joy, and I think that Ariel carries that legacy on with her joyful, let's-get-her-done attitude for life. But I think the most cherished memory I have of Dee is that in all those years, I think it was 10 years, I never once heard her say an unkind word about anybody. And I will truly miss her exuberant presence at our bunko nights.
remember last year when Grandma D came over to our house for dinner. We always enjoyed Grandma D with us. She was always a lovely person to have. I remember when we also had the dance party when she came over. She was always laughing and laughing. <laughs> Mrs. Ariel was a lovely neighbor to have. She's always loving and kind. going to share about the dance party. I, if you've been to our house, you know that it can get loud in our home with three children who are not shy. And some at some point, the music came on, and the girls just started a dance party, and Grandma D just laughed and laughed. And I think Brianna and I were concerned about her oxygen intake, but <laughs> she was <laughs> she just laughed and laughed. Um, but it was it was sweet. We didn't know her very long, and not before her strokes, but um, she lit up when we walked in, and Penny still says, that's, that's Grandma D's house, and it'll always be Grandma D's house, and we'll miss her, and I just want to honor Ariel in this moment and say that I, I saw firsthand her care for her mom. I'm not going to look at her so I can talk. <laughs> um, just her tireless care of her mom was um, just ministered to my heart, and I'm sure many of your hearts, as we could see just Christ's love in her and to her mom, and just what an example that was and a blessing to be able to see and witness. Um, yeah. Um, hi. I um, just wanted to share on behalf of me and Penny um, how much we loved Grandma D. Um, whenever we would, whenever I would tell Penny, let's go see Grandma D, she would run up with her little legs as fast as she could over to Grandma D's, and Grandma D would love us being there, and she would always smile and kiss us and call her babies, and she was very sweet, and, um, we miss her a lot, and she was, she was very kind, and we got to see her in her last days, and that was pretty sweet, and we just wanted to thank you all for being here. I was not a participant in the dance party, in case there were questions. Um, when I was uh, younger and Miss D needed somebody to take care of her, um, me and my grandma used to go over there and help her, and uh, she used to call us her little uh, munchkins or baby. <laughs> and... Uh, I used to laugh, and we used to, like, uh, just have fun together, and whenever she needed, like, somebody to take care of in the night, uh, we would go over there and help her go to sleep or just stay there over the, in the night just to make sure she was okay. And uh, Ariel was, Ariel is just like her mom. You're so brave. <laughs> just really just really quick, I wanted to say thank you, Ariel, too, for your your witness to our church. And I just remembered when everything was kind of picking up speed 
the overwhelmingness that I felt for you with all the many, many, many details and just praying to the Lord for help, you know, and seeing him provide through this church, you know, and, and being in healthcare and, and seeing how that's not common. Most people can't take care of their parents or whatever, and, and they just die away in nursing homes and have nobody. And so I just praise the Lord that for your, your faithfulness to your mom and how it encourages so many of us and that we could learn from that. And there's a lot of older people in here, so it's a legacy. <laughs> i 
to really so many people to thank. Desiree, when uh, Dolores was dying, Desiree came and played her violin and um, sang the song that you just heard. And um, Allie and Michaela and Lacey and Ellie Mae and uh, so many others. Thank you. By the way, just in case you didn't notice, that was Ariel singing Summertime during the, um, the slideshow. So, well, I'd like to read a passage of Scripture and just take a, just a few minutes. Um, most everything that I'm about to say, well, everything I'm about to say, I have Ariel's permission to say. Well, like almost everything I'm about to say, I have Ariel's permission to say. Ariel and I both agreed that this was a, a perfect text for today. Jesus says, For the kingdom of heaven is like a master of a house who went out early in the morning to hire laborers for his vineyard. After agreeing with the laborers for a denarius a day, he sent them into his vineyard. Going out about the third hour, he saw others standing idle in the marketplace. And to them he said, you go into the vineyard too, and whatever is right I will give you. So they went, and going out again about the sixth hour and the ninth hour, he did the same. And about the eleventh hour, he went out and found others standing, and he said to them, why do you stand here idle all day? They said to him, because no one has hired us. He said to them, you go into the vineyard too. And when the evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his foreman, call the laborers and pay them their wages, beginning with the last up to the first. And and when those hired about the 11th hour came, each of them received the denarius. Now, when those hired first came, they thought they would receive more, but each of them also received the denarius. And on receiving it, they grumbled at the master of the house saying, these worked only one hour and you've made them equal to us who've borne the burden of the day and the scorching heat. But he said to one of them, friend, I'm doing you no wrong. Did you not agree with me for a denarius? Take what belongs to you and go. I choose to give to this last worker as much as I gave to you. Am I not allowed to do what I choose with what belongs to me? Or do you begrudge my generosity? So the last will be first. And the first last. Now, some of you wonder why I called Dolores Dolores. First, I called her Dolores because that was her name. Second, when she changed her name in 1988, one year after Ariel and I were married, I told her that I would continue to call her by her given name, Dolores, because in Spanish it means pain and suffering. We, um, Dolores and I did not get along very well in those days. Ariel's um, statement that I, she thanked me for my patience in those days just shows you what age can do to your memory. (laughs) 
So I offered her um, a compromise between Dolores and her newly changed name. And I said, how about I call you DeLorean? (laughs) But it never stuck. Years later, after she had moved here, she said she never minded that I called her Dolores. Dolores was raised by two Christian parents, which, by the way, is, is really an amazing thing. To be born in Santo Domingo, where you have 95% Catholic, to have two evangelical parents was an amazing thing. Her mother and father, Gustavo and Ophelia, loved the Lord Jesus Christ. They loved the word of God. And Dolores was raised in the church. And up until Ariel was a teenager, she was actively involved in church. But then something changed. She began to go her own way, departing from the ways of the Lord. And she would live in that wayward state for decades. Often, as believing parents, we appeal to Proverbs 22.6. Train up a child in the way that he should go, and even when he's old, he will not depart from it. And of course, our hope as believing parents is that even if our children go wayward... The things that they've learned about God and about his son, Jesus Christ, and about the salvation which is in him alone would never leave them. It is our heart's desire and indeed our hope that those things that we instilled into our children when they were under our roof would never fade from their memories, no matter how far they wander. Well, I will tell you that Dolores had a praying mother. Mia was Ariel's nickname for her. And Mia knew how to lay hold of the throne of grace. I have distinct memories walking into into Ariel's grandparents' home and actually hearing Mia praying in the back bedroom, pleading with God in Spanish for her children. Ariel's grandfather always assured me that Spanish was the language of heaven, and I better get with the program. (laughs) Ariel prayed for her mom. How she prayed for her mom. She evangelized her mom. When we lived down in Gardnerville, after first moving here, I remember numerous phone conversations of Ariel pleading with her mother to turn to Christ before it was too late. Ariel loved her mom with an unconditional love, and I will say today that that unconditional love for Dolores often would not only boggle my own mind, but it would convict me.
Ariel's not only one of the most cheerful people you'll ever meet. Infectious laugh. But she's also one of the most tenaciously loving people you'll ever meet. In 2010, Dolores was up for, I think it was Zach's graduation, right? And she wanted to talk to us. And so there we were in the kitchen, and she, she apologized to us for things she had said and things she had done. And she expressed that she realized that she had wasted so much time and lost so much time. And she began for the first time to actually attend church with us. She had attended before, but she would sit there. She would not look at me while I was preaching. She would stare at the floor, or on one occasion, we were still at the middle school, she's holding Ashley on her lap. She stares at Ashley the whole time. And uh, I even like tried like banging on the pulpit and doing something to make her look up, and she just wouldn't. But when, at that point in 2010, she began to join the saints and sing and she would listen and she would often ask me questions about the sermon or tell me it was a good sermon. And honestly, when she would say those things, I would think that she had actually been abducted by aliens and that this was a different person. All of this was new. In fact, she was so enthusiastic for her in a sense, renewed her new relationship with her family that she said to me, would you take me out and teach me how to shoot a gun? <laughs> At which point, I immediately called Arnie Diggerud and said, I have an assignment for you. You need to <laughs> teach my mother-in-law how to shoot a gun because I'm not going to be anywhere around there. <laughs> and Arnie did it. Arnie did it. I was really imp- I stayed in the car. <laughs> a year or two later, <laughs> we were driving home from Marysville after Thanksgiving, and Dolores, it was just Ariel and me and Dolores in the back seat. And Dolores began to talk. And she expressed repentance for the life she'd lived. She expressed faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And she expressed a desire to be a part of the church. Now, I have to be honest. I was enthused and Ariel was skeptical. But I will tell you, Ariel had every right to be skeptical. I think I just had more faith. And I will tell you that although the journey over the last decade has had its ups and downs, Dolores continued to express her faith in the Lord Jesus and her trust in God. A little bit of rebellion would flare up here or there and she'd say things that would make us look at each other and cringe. But there were so many wonderful signs of God's grace in her life. And even in the last week of her life, many of you sat with her and helped take care of her and shared the Lord Jesus Christ with her again. 
Thank you. And the last night before she became incommunicative and slipped out of consciousness, we sat on her bed for 45 minutes and we laughed and I teased her, which was one of my favorite things to do. (laughs) Most importantly, we talked about the Savior And I said to her at one point, I I said, Dolores, you've heard about the Savior your whole life. And as I did, she, she lit up. And that smile was, in fact, endearing. And I asked her, are you trusting him for the forgiveness of your sins and for eternal life? And with vigorous hand motions and a smile as wide as could be, she said, yes. But it wasn't the yes, yes, yes that was her common answer to everything. It was a firm yes. And then I asked her, Dolores, are you afraid to die? And she looked at me with a determination and gave me a firm no. And I said, Dolores, I love you. She said, I love you too. What does this have to do with this parable from our Lord Jesus? Well, Dolores obviously started out well. I don't know if she was already converted in her early life or not. I have no way to know that. But what Ariel knows and what I know is that she wasted decades of her life pursuing her own desires and seeking, really in many ways, to twist God's word to make it fit her life. The last decade of her life was a slow recovery of the sweet and saving grace of a good and gracious king. And so in this, in this parable, it's, it's very straightforward. The, the, the vineyard owner goes out and he hires the first group and they're day laborers. And so they're completely dependent on somebody coming and hiring them in order for them to have their daily sustenance. And so he comes and he hires the first group and then three hours later, so 6 a.m., three hours later, he goes back at 9 a.m. And there are these guys standing there. They're not going to work a whole day now, but he agrees to just give them whatever is right. That's the way he puts it. And then they agree, give us whatever is right. And then there's a third group and a fourth group. And the third group gets hired on at noon. And the fourth group gets hired on at 3 p.m. in the afternoon. And same terms, whatever is right. And then he goes back into town and at the 11th hour, which would be basically 5 o'clock p.m., one hour before quitting time, he asks this group of guys that are standing there why are you standing idle and they simply said no one's hired us it's not that we're lazy it's just that nobody's hired us and so the landowner says come back to the vineyard and there's only one hour left and throughout the entirety of the parable the grace of the landowner is exhibited and so then at the end of the day the group of workers gather around 
to receive their pay. The landowner is keeping his word. He's going to pay them all. But there's something strange in the passage, and that is that the, the last group that was hired that only worked an hour, they were going to be paid first. Normally, you paid the guys that started first and then worked your way down. And so this last group that only put in an hour of work... Um, they get a full day's wage. It's remarkable. He pays them a full day. He pays them basically for a 12-hour day, even though they only worked one hour. And what happens then is that the guys that got hired early in the day, they start making calculations. Right? Oh, well, if he paid them that much, well, what ends up happening is that this causes an eruption of grumbling. And so then the first group that gets hired on at the beginning of the day, they actually are expecting what? They're expecting more. We've bore the, 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 the heat of the day. We've broken our backs for 12 hours. And they receive a full day's wage. And so the 6 a.m. group begins to grumble. They lodge their complaint. Those guys only worked for an hour. And, and, and here's, what's, here's what's really the burr under their saddles. You've made them equal to us. We worked harder. We worked longer. We made more sacrifice. And the landowner looks at the, at the ringleader of the grumblers. And he says, friend. And you know why he says friend? It's not because he's his friend. Matthew often uses the term friend as a term that shames a person who presumes upon grace. He says, I didn't do you any wrong. Didn't you agree to this amount? Yes, we did. I, I, I actually have not committed an injustice against you. You agreed to the terms. They're fair and just. And then here's the point. I freely obligated myself to you on terms that you agreed to. So take what's yours and go. My money, my prerogative, I'm sovereign, you're not. Go. By the way, are you jealous because I'm generous? Jealousy in the workers who start at 6 a.m. is provoked by grace, which they had received too. The landowner didn't owe it to them to bring them on. It was all of grace. But I will tell you that such a parable actually exposes our pride, doesn't it? And so in verse 16, of course, you have this famous statement, the last will be first, the first will be last. And, and, and here's the point, is that God's grace actually transcends all sense of human fairness. This view of grace actually turns us on our heads. Because we have a sense of you, you, you get what you earn. And Jesus turns it completely on its head because this parable is ultimately about the free grace of God. And this is the kind of grace that is actually an offense to the natural man. The natural man loves the idea of self-righteousness. But real grace, real grace which is free grace and sovereign grace has a way of exposing our pride. So I just ask you, who, you, you hear this parable? 
Who do you identify with? Very few of us would actually say, yep, I'm, I'm the 11th hour guy. But the parable sets its sight on our pride as it exalts the freeness of God's grace. And so, just two thoughts. The kingdom of heaven doesn't operate on the basis of entitlement. Now, by the way, this is not a warrant to waste the first 11 hours of your life. It's, it's, not, it's not incentive to try to slip in at the 11th hour. All right? You, you, you do that, and I can tell you, God will put your lights out early, and you'll never see the 11th hour. But it is a warrant to say that God's gift of eternal life is all of grace. And so whether you serve God for your entire life, or whether you're a prodigal that returns in the last decade of your life, or even the last minutes of your life, You're just like that thief on the cross who gets grace in his dying hour. Now, J.C. Ryle reminded us that although there were two thieves, only one got grace. One got grace so that we might hope, so that we might not despair. But the other one didn't get grace so that we might not presume. And so the kingdom of heaven is a kingdom of grace where prostitutes and drug addicts and thieves and prodigals and profligates and missionaries and martyrs all get the same grace. And so what do we make of this parable in light of Dolores' life? Do not stop praying for your loved ones. If they're breathing, you're praying. Do not stop loving those who stray. Ariel, you've showed me and you continue to show me the love of Christ because you never give up. And the third thing is this. It's never too late to come into the kingdom of God. In fact, some of you are old. Some of you have more life behind you than you have in front of you. Some of you can be an 11th hour worker that experiences the fullness of God's grace in Jesus Christ, even though you've wasted so many years. That's the nature of our God. That's the nature of his gospel, is he welcomes all in, even in the last hour. Dolores used to drive me crazy. And we would argue about stuff that mattered. (laughs) And she was a provoker. 
and she knew how to push my buttons. She would say things that she knew I believed just the opposite. And then she wouldn't fight fair. She refused to use logic. rationality, let alone just clear thought. And then she would do something that often would scare me. Her eyes would turn black. Her head would rotate 360 (laughs) degrees. And she would say something like, get out. (laughs) That Dolores was not the Dolores that we knew the last 10 years. That Dolores was not the Dolores that we knew the last three years. An 11th hour worker a recipient of the free and full grace of God in Jesus Christ. Amen. And so, my sweet Jenny, we will see her again. We will. Okay? And you might see her sooner than the rest of us. (laughs) But you tell her, We had a great service for her. We love you. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for steadfast friends. We thank you for a steadfast Savior. We thank you for almighty grace. What do you have that you did not receive? And if you received it as a gift, why do you boast as if you didn't? And Father, we thank you for Dolores. Certainly one of the most colorful people who's ever graced my life. Thank you for Ariel. I pray that you would bind up her broken heart. And Father, I pray for those that are here today who are without Christ and without hope. They've never experienced your grace. May today be the day of salvation. In Jesus' name. if you would please stand we'll sing together when we see your face
Jesus, what a day that will be when our faith becomes sight and you'll wipe every tear from our eyes. Thank you for being such a tender and merciful Savior. Now may the God of peace who brought up from the dead the great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the eternal covenant, even Jesus our Lord, may he equip you with every good thing, working in us that which is pleasing in his sight, through Jesus Christ, to whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Thank you so much for being here and sharing this um, it's an important day for, for the Borgman family. And there are pictures out in the foyer on the table. If you see yourself and Dolores in one of those pictures, or Dee or Dorian or whatever you called her, 
feel free to please just take that as Ariel's gift. Also, there will be a light reception in the foyer. So thank you. Thank you.